0: I want to invite all of you to take your copy of scriptures, whether it looks like this or whether it's electronic. Take it out or turn it on and go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. A very important passage of scripture. Find something to write with and write on and let's ask God just to speak truth into us today. Do you ever feel like You've just been punched in the gut? Do you ever feel beat up? Have you ever felt tormented? It's a story we're gonna read about today. And I've lived long enough to know that some of us can relate to those questions I've just asked. And I have good news for you your feelings are real but they're not permanent. Your feelings are influenced by these things that we call emotions, which are uh, really greatly influenced by our thoughts. And and Scripture tells us to capture our thoughts and and to make all of our thoughts honoring to Jesus. So so really, when we spend time uh, doing what Jesus taught us to do in the great commandment, which is loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength— we can begin to battle some of these things that seem to plague us in life. So we're gonna talk about what do you do when your soul is hurting? The Bible says there's only two things that are permanent, the word of God, the scriptures, and the souls, uh, men and women, boys and girls. But when your soul is downcast, that's what David cried in Psalm 42, why are you downcast, oh my soul? When your soul is downcast, What do you do? You you open the Word of God. And so I want to make sure you understand that reality. No matter what the cause, when your soul is downcast, you open the Word of God. The Christian life is full of mountains and valleys. How many of you have experienced the mountaintops? Maybe it's a, a special moment in your life, the birth of a child. Uh, Maybe it was a revival service or a a camp or that time where you bent the knee, either physically or figuratively, and, and you yielded your life to Christ and you were on fire for Jesus. There are mountaintops, but how many of you know that life is also full of valleys? The death of a loved one, job loss, the breakup of a marriage. The valleys of life. Interestingly, even as God was talking to the children of Israel, preparing to go, them to go into the promised land, and, and remember this, our life, the abundant life, really was symbolically demonstrated in the Old Testament, and it was called the promised land. And so as, as God was preparing the children of Israel for the promised land, He said this in Deuteronomy eleven eleven: But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains... And valleys. And that's the way life is. We like the mountains, but the valleys, not so much. Unfortunately, valley dwelling is something we all face. It's in the valleys of life that we feel like we're in darkness. It's in the valleys of life that we face doubt. It's in the valleys of life that we battle discouragement and even depression. And these things are a big deal in our society, especially since COVID, since the last election, since some of the battles we've faced in in modern life. There's an epidemic of this downcast soul, of this depressive feeling, so much so that the Surgeon General of our country, the chief medical officer, has said that depression is epidemic level. It's as dangerous as heart disease. But again, we're not the first to battle with this. I I love the Scriptures. The Bible is not a book about man. It's a book about God. It's His story. But as we see the people in Scripture, we see that they were like us. Let me just give you a few examples. How many of you ever heard of a guy named Moses? See your hands? All right. Moses was leading the children of Israel out of the Promised Land. In the midst of that, what did they do? They complained like a complaining child. He got so frustrated, listen to what he says in Numbers eleven fifteen. if this is how you're going to treat me, by the way, who's he talking to? He's talking to God. And he says, if this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. I mean, that's Moses. How about David? David in Psalm 38, 4 says, my guilt has overwhelmed me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. You know the story of Jonah. Jonah in Jonah 4, 3 says... Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. You know the story of Job. Job suffered unimaginable loss. Listen to what he says in Job 3.11. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came out of the womb? You getting the point? Elijah Maybe the greatest prophet who ever lived. He had just had incredible victory. He had had experienced literally the mountaintop where he defeated the prophets of the false gods. And then he finds himself in 1 Kings 19 in verse 4, so depressed that he runs away. He goes into the wilderness. He gets under a tree, and he says, This, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. If any of these were talking to a psychologist, they would call that suicidal tendencies. All of these men of God, so discouraged, so downcast and and depressed that they didn't even want to live. Yet the message of Scripture is found in the words of Jesus. We reviewed these words just a few weeks ago. Come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, and I'll give you rest. As I begin to think about this subject, I begin to ask, is there a biblical example of someone who really had some of these kind of expressive ideologies in their life and and yet they came to Jesus and then hit, hit me, yes, there is. It's in Mark chapter nine. Let me give you a little of the context. If you look at the beginning of this chapter, you probably have a heading that says the transfiguration. This took place on the Mount of Transfiguration. Who was there? Well, Jesus and his buddies, Pete, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. And just a reminder I told you this last week it's loco to go solo. Everybody needs their three. So in this great moment, Jesus is there with those he could call on, but they're not the only ones there. Who else is there? Moses and Elijah. Now, isn't it interesting? (laughs) Don't miss this. Two of the people that we just read got so depressed that they told God, I'd just soon die. In this key moment, in his infinite wisdom, God Thought so highly of them to have them join Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Representing the law and the prophets, by the way. Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets, because Jesus was the fulfillment of what? The law and the prophets. Peter wants to just stay there. He sees Jesus glorified. I mean, can you imagine his jaw drop when he encounters Elijah and Moses? And so Peter, he's got a way with words, right? He never has a shortage. Peter never says, I don't know what to say. So he just starts babbling. Jesus, this is amazing. I mean, this is great. I mean, why don't we just stay here? I know how to build a tent. We'll build a tent, one for each of you. I don't know what we'll do with us, but we'll build a tent. Let's just build a tent. Jesus, let's stay here. Jesus just kind of, I'm imagining, shaking his head. And then a booming voice from heaven. The voice of God says, Enough! This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Man, it hits me. Wow, isn't that so important that we understand what is implied? In that simple statement from the voice of God on the mountaintops and in the valleys of life, it's imperative that we keep listening to Jesus. That's your answer. That's your hope. Whatever you're facing, listen to Jesus. So they head down the mountain. Why? Because it's fun on the mountaintop, but the work takes place in the valley, right? Jesus had to go down that mountain because he had an appointment he had to keep. He was going to suffer and die for your sin and for my sin in the valley. But he also had an appointment that day in the valley. There was a moment of ministry that we're going to experience. So I want you to think about those mountaintops and valleys. Likely you're in one of the two today. Everything's hunky-dory, it's okay, or things aren't so great. In this case, on the mountaintop, there was glory. In the valley, there was suffering. On the mountaintop God's power was on display, but on the valley Satan's power was on display. On the mountaintop you got a well-pleased father, God himself. In the valley you've got a broken-hearted father. On the mountaintop you got a perfect son, Jesus the Christ. In the valley you've got a possessed son. On the mountaintop you got all of heaven's glory. In the valley you had demonic terror. So let's look at it. Mark 9, we're going to begin in verse 14. By the way, if you're taking notes, and I hope you should, because the dullest pencil is better than the sharpest mind, we forget. Luke 9, verses 37 through 42 also have this account. And Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21 also have this account. But Mark 9... Verse 14 is where we're going to pick up. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. So Jesus, Pete, James, and John are descending the mountain and they see this big crowd, the disciples and other religious leaders. And you know what we see here? It's a picture, unfortunately, of the modern church too often. It's religious people who are so caught up in arguing about things that are secondary are even worse that the people that are trying to get to Jesus, that the people that need ministry can't get what they need. So can I just look into your eyes for a second, even those of you not in this room? Can I tell you, if you've been hurt by church or church people, don't let that keep you from coming to Jesus. Don't let others keep you and block you from what you need most. Verse 15, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked Jesus. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I I brought my son to you who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Did you hear what happened? A hurting father trying to get his child to Jesus, but the religious people were in the way. Jesus walks up, he sees the situation, and he's not happy. You unbelieving generation. He's not talking to the Father. He's now looking at the disciples, those other religious people in the crowd. You unbelieving generation, how long should I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into fire and water to kill him. If you can do anything, but if you can do anything, did you hear that? But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Remember earlier in Scripture, a leopard comes to to Jesus, and and he prays what we should pray. Jesus, if you will, heal me. And Jesus healed him. He said, I will. Uh, Your prayers are either if-you-can prayers or if-you-will prayers. Which are you praying? Because Jesus, (laughs) when you pray the if-you-can prayers, Jesus is going to say, if I can... Do you know who you're talking to? Notice what he says. Everything is possible for one who believes. Do you believe that, church? If Jesus is alive, everything is possible. Can you say that together with me? If Jesus is alive, everything is possible. Let's say it again. If Jesus is alive, everything is possible. Now, I'm just going to tell you, there are a lot of us who gather regularly in places like this. We're unashamed to call ourselves followers of Jesus, but we don't live as if we believe what He said, because He said, Everything is possible with me. If Jesus is alive, church, everything is possible. Amen. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I can remember hearing that as a child and thinking, I can relate to that I mean, we all can relate to that one. I, I do believe God, but I doubt. I do believe God, but, but I don't understand. I do believe God, but I'm struggling. I do believe, oh God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus saw a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit. He said, I command you, come out of him and never in him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed, and violently came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And Jesus had gone indoors to his disciples and asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out, they asked. He replied, this kind, Can come out only by prayer. Now, I want you to look at me and and I want you to answer this question Do you believe that some things can only be accomplished through prayer? The Bible's clear. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. That's what it says. Look at Ephesians 6:12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Scripture's clear. In spiritual battle, the Word and prayer are our weapons of warfare. So we're going to spend a few minutes on this passage in the Word, and right now we're going to pray. But we're going to pray open-eyed, because I'm going to pray a verse over you. It's 1 Thessalonians 5 23. Here's the verse. May God himself the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because the one who calls you is faithful and he Will do it. So, Father, that's our prayer in Jesus' name. You, the God of peace, rain down your peace in this moment. Speak that we might hear. Teach that we might learn. Give that we might have. Lord, I pray for freedom from the darkness of depression from men and women in this room from those that would hear this voice in the name of Jesus. Father, I, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would deliver us from those spiritual forces that are keeping us from your best. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the words I say in my thoughts would please you. In Jesus' name, amen. What's taking place in this story, maybe greater than any other place in Scripture other than our Father God watching His Son on the cross of Calvary, you see the pain of a troubled and hurting Father. Let me see your hand if you are or you have been a parent. Let me see your hand. All right, then you know there's no pain like kid pain. There's no pain like the hurt you feel when you've got a prodigal child or you've got a child who's hurting or you've got a sick child. His dad is doing whatever it takes to get his son help. What's the problem? Well, his son, he says, is possessed by a demon. How is that manifesting? Well, if I just read the symptoms, you would have said his son has epilepsy because that's what it sounded right. like, right? He's having seizures. His body would become rigid. He would foam at the mouth. He's been behaving in ways, though, that in today's society would probably have him diagnosed with mental health issues. How do I know that? Well, because the Father says that the demon is causing him to be hurt by fire and water. Well, what did he mean by that? Well, they're in the region of Galilee, surrounded by water. They're in a time in history where every meal was cooked over an open fire. What do you think's happening here? I think the father's saying this demon's trying to kill him through fire and water. So the child's trying to burn himself, maybe trying to drown himself. Again, in today's society, we would probably say he has mental health issues. Wow. Am I suggesting that mental health is demonic? Well, in general, I'd probably say yes, because... I think mental illness is the worst illness anyone can experience. If you've got a broken bone, you can put a cast on it. It may hurt, but they can even give you something for the pain. And you know it's going to heal. If you've got cancer, you know it may take your life, but the reality is you can see it on a screen. And though you don't like it, you can understand that this Thing has gotten into you and it's eating away. But if you are mentally ill, you feel like something's wrong with me and I don't understand and no one will understand and it hurts and nothing helps. So, in a general sense, yes, it's evil. But no, I'm not suggesting everything in a technical sense as spiritual. In fact, I want to be very clear I'm not a doctor, I'm not even a counselor, I'm just a preacher of the Word of God. But I believe God's Word. And so let me tell you what that means. I I think that sometimes depression in our life can have biological causes. That means there can be biological things that have influenced that. Let me give you one of the easiest examples, postpartum depression. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on that. There are women in the room that would say, I know that's a real thing. There even can be imbalances and chemicals in our body that some believe cause depression biological there can be relational causes for depression i believe this is really important if you're not right relationally of course it depresses you if you have children that have have walked away or parents who aren't talking or if you have a husband or a wife in dispute or any other major relationship in your life of course this can cause depression And, and in fact i believe one of the reasons we're in such a crisis right now is because of the isolation caused by covid People began to live in fear, and they stayed away. And we need each other. We need this. We need the body. There can be relational reasons for depression. There can be circumstantial reasons for depression. I I really feel like there have been seasons in my life where the circumstances around me have caused me to enter into a pretty dark place. The battle my dad had for his life and then his death, even after a long life, not because we didn't know he was going to heaven or that he hadn't had a long life, man, just the loss, that was so discouraging and depressing to me. But there's no doubt in my mind there's spiritual causes of depression. There's sin in your life. It's at conflict with the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And when that's at conflict, there's no way you experience the joy and the peace of abundant living. So let me ask another question. Pastor, do you believe demons are real? Yeah. Why? Because my Jesus believed they were real. And, and the Bible talks about Satan wasn't the only one that left heaven. A third of the angels in heaven were kicked out with him and become demons. And that's why the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that we're not battling flesh and blood. When your car battery dies, it may just be dead. But there is demonic activity in this world that affects our life. So, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what did I say earlier? I am filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So listen, God's Spirit possesses me. No other spirit can possess a child of God. But the demonic spirits, they can oppress me. You don't believe that? My friend Billy's here. I I use him a lot because he sits up close. I'm glad you still sit up close, Billy. God saved you from a life of addiction, a lot of painful years. Is this true? It's it's true in my experience. Most every addict that I've encountered said there were plenty of days I didn't know, I I didn't want to do what I was doing. And I would say I'm never going to do it again. And I would turn over a new leaf. And I would say things are changing. But it was like something was pulling me back into this lifestyle. Is that true? What do you think that is? What do you think that something is? Let me deal with something before we dive into this a little more deeply. There is a myth that suggests that when you come to Jesus, you don't have mental health issues. And if you do, it's because you lack faith. You just need more God. I called that a myth because it is. You do need more God. Let's say that. Say, I need more God. True story. We do. But that's not necessarily the cause of your mental illness. You might need more sleep. You might need a more healthy diet. You might need more exercise. You might need better friends. You may need a counselor. And you could even need medical treatment. Getting help is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom. And so the things we're talking about today do not diminish any of those realities. Just because you meet Jesus doesn't mean everything else you desire comes to pass in life. If it did, every Christian would have a full head of hair (laughs) and six-pack abs. And the man or woman of their dreams by their side. I mean, it just doesn't always work that way. But when you trust the Jesus of the Bible, it says that Jesus changes everything. All things are possible for those who believe Him. Do you believe that? All things are possible for those who trust Him. So every situation, hear this church, we miss this. Every situation in your life should first be looked through through a spiritual lens. You should first say, okay, is there anything spiritual in my life that's causing or impacting or influencing what I'm going through? Because God cares about your mental health. I know that because my Bible says the Lord is my light. It says he saves those who are crushed in spirit. It says he's close to the brokenhearted. It says he's my refuge. It says he is my shepherd. He cares about my needs and he tells me to cast my cares on him. He wants me to cry out to him. So just write this down today. God is not intimidated by your honesty. But he does not always take away your pain. But he does promise this. Listen to Isaiah. This is what my mom has told me is her favorite verse. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You know in the, in the Hebrew what that those two words, perfect peace are, it's kind of funny. You know what it is? You know the words. You knew Hebrew words right there. You just didn't realize it. It is shalom, shalom. It's just shalom twice. He's saying when you trust in Jesus, he will give you God's rest, God's rest whatever the circumstances whatever the health situation or whatever the relational needs he will give you rest so at the end of the day you've got to ask do you believe Jesus enough to say that he'll make all things possible and give me everything I need well believe it or not we're about to the end because walking through this story tells a story but here's the good news The father rightly assumed his son's condition had a spiritual reason. We we should not assume all physical and mental health problems are demonic issues. But we must recognize that many of our problems do have spiritual origins. So what do we do? I want to go back to something I've said. After you look through the spiritual lens... you may may figure out some other things are needed to be done. Let me walk through some of those again. It's a list worth repeating. Doctors are telling us more, it seems like, every day of the importance of sleep. You may need more sleep. Doctors are reminding us every day of the importance of exercise. Is that right, Dr. Marcus? You may need more exercise. I know I do. There's a clear connection between that and your mental health. Pastors and counselors are telling us every day of the importance of right relationships. We prayed that for little baby Jack when we committed him to the Lord, right? We want right relationships with him because those wrong relationships tear away at our mental health. You may have something biological going on. I would tell you there's something afoot in the psychology world. Did you know that one of the leading psychology studies that just came out has now said they believe there's no connection between serotonin in the brain and depression? If that proves to be true, that's going to rock the world of medication and psychology. But we do know there are things that cause biological mental illness. After you've looked through the spiritual lens, you feel free to go see a physician. That's important. We're not scared of that. God's given us everything that's good. It comes from Him. You may even need to sit down with a counselor, and we would love to recommend godly Christian counsel to you. But what should you do first? I do this with fear and trepidation because depression is not a simple issue. But I want to leave you with Three thoughts that are as simple as A, B, C. Okay? Here's the first one. Ask God for discernment to recognize the spiritual nature of your problems. So the psalmist prayed this way. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know even my anxious thoughts. So pray something like this. God man, I haven't thought about it this way, but if there's a sin that's in my life that's calling this, or if I'm being oppressed by some spiritual activity, God, I want that out of me in the name of Jesus, and God, just give me discernment to know, are these battles I'm facing spiritual nature? Number two, believe Jesus can meet your needs, whatever they are. Friend, I'm just telling you, we have come to a place in our society where we have to decide, are we going to believe the Jesus of the scriptures? Amen. You're going to be challenging that more and more every day of your life. You're going to have to decide, do I believe God's truth? Amen. And if you do, when you cry out to God and you say, Oh God, if you can't help me, He's going to say, If I can. Everything is possible if you believe. Number three, cry out to God in honest prayer and ask for help. I don't know what our struggle is. If it's we're afraid God's going to get mad at us. If we think our sins are too big for Him. If we're afraid what we'll do if He doesn't answer the way that we want Him to. But the reality is, I I don't think we cry out to God like this hurting Father did. Remember the scenario. He did everything it took to get his boy to Jesus. What do you need to bring to Jesus? Would you stand together with me? As you do, would you bow your heads? Pastors, leaders of this church, including myself, that will be standing to respond to what I'm about to say. On each of our campuses, our pastors will be there. Online, there are people that are waiting to pray with you and help you. But some of us need to cry out to Jesus. Half brother of Jesus, James, says this in James chapter 5: if, if, if you've got something wrong with you, and you, you need to bring it to the leaders, to the church, and commit it to prayer. We believe that. You, you may feel like you're being oppressed. You may just need to come to one of these pastors or to myself and just say, I, I feel like I'm being oppressed, and here's what we're going to pray. We're first going to ask you if you've got a relationship with Jesus. If you do, we know you can't be possessed by a demon, but you can be oppressed by a demon. So we're going to pray in the name of Jesus that anything that is oppressing you would leave. We would rebuke it just like Jesus did that day. And we're going to pray that you experience healing just as that boy did that day. Maybe you have something going on in an area of your life and you just want to pray. You just, you said... I need to cry out to God. I I just need to pray and ask for his help. Maybe you've truly never surrendered. You know it. You're afraid to admit it because you're active in church, but you've truly never surrendered to Jesus. Maybe you thought that abortion or that affair or whatever the sin was that you committed is too big and, and so You've never trusted the forgiveness that Jesus has already given and you just need to come and pray. One more thing. Maybe you just need to come and kneel. You don't want to pray with a pastor or a leader but you just want to come and pray and kneel before God. Let's take this seriously. Let's not just leave another church service without the response that the Spirit of God is calling for in our life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're crying out. We believe you. Jesus, all things are possible for those who believe. We believe that. So, Lord, I'm going to ask in these next few minutes that... You bring healing in people's lives. Lord, I pray that you break the chains of addiction. Lord, I pray that you deliver those who feel oppressed in a variety of areas. I pray that you lift the chains of depression and discouragement. Lord, I pray that you bring healing where there's been doubt. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. And do this in the name of Jesus. And do it for your glory. And do it now, we pray. Amen. Let's worship. You come right now. You come i she...